We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Amen. And as you remain standing, I'll ask you to turn to Hebrews. And we're talking about Jesus in this series. The high priest of Hebrews. I wanted to sing that song this morning to tie in this last lesson of Hebrews because that song uh, was written by men who understood who Jesus really was. That For it pleased the Lord that in him would dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. For when we say Jesus, we've said it all. Amen. Hebrews chapter 8. I'll begin in Hebrews chapter 8, and I'm going to move very quickly today. I'm going to read a lot of scripture for you this morning, but I believe it's going to help us. And Hebrews chapter 8, and I'm going to read uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, now, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. This is the sum of all things that we've talked about up to this point. We have such and high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Amen. He is our high priest of Hebrews. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me today. May God add his blessing to the word this morning. Amen. Um, the last couple uh, of Sundays, we have studied the book of Hebrews. It is um, uh, an understanding, I, and I hope, that, I hope that many of you that have been uh, following along the last few Sundays in, in the book of Hebrews have gained a, a little better understanding of who Jesus is and how he fits into um, our world, our lives, and really he is at the center of it all. He is our high priest that has entered into heaven and entered into the tabernacle, not made with hands. Now, the Bible says that is to say not of this world. Into, in the heavens, in the figure of the true, the likeness, the example, the shadowing of the truth on earth as he has walked into that holy place to make sacrifice uh, for us with his own blood. We're going to read a little bit about that today. Um, and uh, just... Turning your attention uh, one more time, um, because I believe that this is is is, is very. Um, every time I am going to teach this lesson, I'm going to turn your attention to this again, and I want you to just turn with me there very quickly to First Timothy chapter two, uh, beginning in verse three. First Timothy chapter two, beginning in verse three. <clears throat> For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God, our Savior, who will that all men to be saved. That's God's will. It is God's will for all men to be saved. That doesn't necessarily mean that all men are going to be saved. It lets us know that's what God wants. If, 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 if God could, could have his will and men would do God's will, all men would be saved. Um, it, it's not his will that anybody should be perished, that any, that any man should perish. It's God's will that all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Not only be saved, but come into the knowledge of the truth. And, 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 and those things are connected. 
Because when you are saved, uh, I need to know what I'm saved by. Amen. I know what I'm saved from, but what am I saved by? We come into the knowledge of the truth, and the, and the truth is this, verse 5, for there is one God. Amen. Anybody glad you believe that there's one God? And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself, verse 6, a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Amen. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. So um, as you're reading the New Testament, as you're reading through the New Testament, you're going to come to 1 Timothy before you come to Hebrews. And as you're reading the New Testament and you come to 1 Timothy and you see written down and manifested in language that makes sense to you why we continue to call Jesus the Son of God and why all the writers of the New Testament continue to reference this. Uh, you know, they, they talk about God, our Father, and His Son, Christ Jesus. And we, we hear the Christ re referenced many, many times. Christ and Lord. And we, we hear that reference all throughout the New Testament. And so um, we, we, we hear at Truth Chapel, like we believe in the oneness. We believe there is a one God. We, we do not believe in a trinity. Amen? This, this separates us from a lot of other religions, denominations, and, and other, uh, you know, entities that you would think about uh, in, in the church world. Uh, because we, we believe that there is but one God, and we believe the way that we call on that one God is by the name of Jesus. That's the name that we have. For God hath given him a name that, that in his name... Like every knee would bow, every tongue shall confess that all men will be saved by that name. For there is no other name given among men, like a common name, given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, and, and the name is very, Jesus was a common name of his time. The name given among men, a very common name given to people that would save us. Amen. And, and, and this is, um, uh, this week, it was kind of funny, um, Steve Kitchens, uh, who, I, don't, I don't see him in here this morning, which is good because if he was here, I'd probably be embarrassing him. Steve Kitchens texted me, and the, and the text said, Steve, comma, this is Jesus. Call me when you can. And he had a finger, he, he like clicked down and had a, a finger pointing up to it and said, I know you guys are close. And so I was in a, I was in a practice in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana when I got this text, and I was like, man. Steve's having like a, a holy moment. Like he's, like Steve's having a conference with God. Like he's talking to Jesus. So when I got a moment, I stepped out and I called Steve and I'm like, hey bro, everything okay? Because I'm, I'm serious, you know. I'm like, everything good? He's like, yeah, what's wrong? And I'm like, bro, your text. He starts laughing. He said, no, I was texting you that. He said, because I got that text today from a random number. And he, and he said, when I seen it, like for like a split second, I was like, Jesus got my number. So he, like, he said, we're saying, I was like, oh, well, okay, what is this? Is this like a prank? Like, what is this? So he calls, and of course, you know, it's an Hispanic guy whose name is Jesus, Jesus. And he's talking about a job that needs to be done. And, and Steve, like, thought it was hilarious. So he texts me, like, bro. And he's like, I know you guys are close, like me and Jesus. So it's a funny moment, but Jesus is a common name. So God had given him a name, you know, uh, for there's no other name given among men, like a common name that men receive, 
whereby we must be saved. This is, once you understand this concept of 1 Timothy chapter 2, the whole New Testament really comes alive to you because you understand. There's not two people in the Godhead, and there's not three people in the Godhead, and, 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 and there's not a duality of gods, and, 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 but, but there is but one God, but there's also one man. And this is where, this is where we kind of get, get, get off the beaten path here because we start this concept is so difficult for us to understand, especially if you've been in the oneness movement very, very long because it's not really talked about. I think people stray away from this concept uh, just because it's touchy. And they're like, man, I just don't know if we can teach that without, you know, I don't know how to explain that. Well, the way that we explain it is we teach Hebrews, the high priest of Hebrews. When we teach this, we, under, we begin to understand that he had to be flesh. He had to be a man. He had to be a common human because if, if he wasn't real flesh and he didn't feel real pain and he didn't feel real temptation and he didn't feel real tiredness and if he didn't feel real betrayal and if, and if he didn't feel those things, then, then what, what hope do I have that I could make it somehow? Amen. And the, and the Bible's going to tell us this and kind of make this plain uh, the deeper we get into Hebrews. Um, here we go, Hebrews chapter 8 uh, in, in, in our, our reading this morning. He said, now, of all the things that I've spoken about up to this point, this is the sum. We have a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, stick that verse 8 right there, that 8 verse 1 in your mind. We have a high priest, the flesh of Jesus who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, we know that God is a spirit, and at no, man have, at no time has any man seen God. Right? If, if the Bible is true, then we know that God is a spirit. You can't see him, and at no time has any man seen God. Well, see, people get confused at this moment because this is Hebrews chapter 8, but when you go into the book of Acts, and, and, and we see the first martyr in the book of Acts, we talked about this on Wednesday night, Stephen, while Stephen is being stoned, the Bible says Stephen will look up into the heaven of heavens and he will see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And this will confuse many people because they'll be like, wait a minute. I, I, I thought we were oneness. So how did Stephen see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father? This is how. Because what, what, what Stephen saw was the man, the flesh, the Christ, standing at the right hand of the majesty of the heavens. The glory and the power of God. It wasn't like there was an old guy sitting on the throne with a big beard and then there was another guy sitting there. No, it's just the glory and the majesty of God. The power of God. And Jesus is set, the, 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 the man, the Christ, the human, the flesh of him is set at the right hand, which means when you set someone at the right hand, they have all the power of the person that they're seated. The right hand is, the, is, the, is the, the hand of power. So when you're seated at the right hand, it means that they have, whoever the king sets at his right hand has all the power that the king has. That's why when you see an old picture, you know, you see an old picture of old kings, normally there's a throne and seated at the right hand of the throne is the queen. And that queen has all the power that that king has. Right? If not more power. When you play a game of chess, the king can move anywhere. He can only move one at a time. 
Well, the queen can move anywhere, but she can move as many spaces as she wants because she has the power of the king. And so what, what Stephen sees in the book of Acts is what we're seeing here in Hebrews chapter 8, who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary. He's the high priest of the, he's a minister in the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. He's not, he's not a priest by earthly ordinances. If he was on earth, he wouldn't even be a priest. Number one, we know because the chapter before told us that he was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. If he was on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So what, when, when Moses is in the mountain and God is showing him the pattern of the tabernacle, what Moses doesn't understand is that what God is showing him is a heavenly tabernacle. And he's saying, Moses, I want you to set up your tabernacle on earth exactly like the tabernacle in heaven. Now, I don't know if it's to scale. You know, I don't know if it's, if it's, it's a pattern, right? It's not exact. It's a pattern. I don't know if it's, everything's to scale. But when God is giving Moses the authority to build this place of meeting on earth, it is a pattern of the tabernacle in the heavens. So I want what's in heaven I want what's on earth to look like what's in heaven. So, so now it makes sense when Jesus says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on as it is in. Yes, I want, when, when I create a place of meeting on earth, I want it to be at the pattern of what's in heaven. Right? So, Lord, help me mirror on earth what's in heaven. Amen? Watch verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, if there was nothing wrong with it, then there would be no place for a second covenant, right? For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continue not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every Man, his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, A new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Hebrews, verse, Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily the first covenant is also, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. He's going back to the concept of the tabernacle. So the tabernacle, it had divine service and it was a worldly sanctuary and earthly. You could touch it. It was, it was tangible. For there is a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick 
the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So we call, we, we call that place the holy place and then the holy of holies. But he calls it, one is the sanctuary and one is the tabernacle. Where the candlesticks are and the table of showbread, that's called the sanctuary. And in behind the veil, that's called the tabernacle. And it's the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, the law. And over it, the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we can now not speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Our, their high priest was the, worked inside the tabernacle. And he would go through the tabernacle and would accomplish the service of the tabernacle, right? But into the second with the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So, so let me just break this down for you. So he's, he, he's telling us about what the, what the high priest did and what the priest did in the old tabernacle. So every day, now then these things were uh, thus ordained and priests went always into the first tabernacle, which is the sanctuary, the table of showbread and the candlestick, always. There was always someone in there, always someone in the tabernacle. And what they were doing in that first sanctuary, accomplishing the service of God. They were making sure the table of showbread was good. They were praying. The, they were making sure there was oil in the lamps. So that was an everyday thing in the holy place, what we would call the holy place, the sanctuary, where the candlesticks and the table of showbread are. This is the sanctuary. And the Bible's telling us that every day there would be someone in there, every day just working, making sure that there's illumination and making sure that there's, there's, there's revelation. Bread and light. Bread and light. Every day there's somebody in there. But into that second place under the veil, went the high priest alone once a year. Not every day, just once a year. And he didn't go without blood, but he went with blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Watch verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. The Holy Ghost, this signifying. What does the Holy Ghost signify? The Holy Ghost signifies the high priest going into the Holy of Holies and offering himself, offering blood for himself and for the errors of the people. That's the Holy Ghost, this signifying. So when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in the heavens, it is a type and shadow of your high priest offering himself for you. Right? Verse 9, watch this. Which was a figure for the time then present in which were both offered gifts and sacrifices that could not make him. I, you got to read these, these, these verses. They offered gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Amen? They, they offered gifts, but those gifts could not make them perfect. Yeah. But Christ, mm, hold on, let, let me go back in verse 10, let me read verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances 
imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come in high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, that's that, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, not, not here, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once, just one time, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkled the unclean, sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament and by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Mm. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the tester liveth. How many of you, how many of you have a living will? Raise your hand if you got a will. How many of y'all don't want to let nobody know around you that you have a will? Just nod at me. That will is only as good as your life. It's just paper. It's just, it's just uh, ideas. It's, it's just a protocol that can only, it can only be worked. It can only be done. It can only happen after you die. Unless you die, that will's no good. That will helps nobody. My will is going to bless my wife. My will is going to bless my children. In Jesus' name, my will will bless my children's children. But it has no power until I die. Where there is a testament, the only power the testament has is if the testator dies. Whoo, hallelujah. It has no power until he's dead. Watch verse 18. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Remission. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. It can't be pushed back without the shedding of blood. It cannot be taken away without the shedding of blood. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24 clears it all up. Christ did not enter into a tabernacle that was made with hands of this building, of this earth, a tangible, something that we can see, touch, feel, go to. We, we, there, there's no place to Mecca to today. But 
into heaven itself now. Somebody say now. now. To appear in the presence of God for us. If he was God, could he appear to God? He's the flesh. He's the man. He's the human being. He's the high priest. For there is one God and one man. The mediator between God and man. He is right now in the heavens standing before God for us, for me, for you. Watch, watch verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ once was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Thank God we have a high priest. There's a high priest that's standing right now in the throne room for me. So that's, that's why I can enter boldly. I can, I can come in boldly because I have a high priest. When I, when I enter in, I enter in under the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, oh, oh, I, I can't get too far ahead. Hebrews chapter 10, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers unto therefore perfect. They're unto perfect. For then should they have not ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should, be, should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body. You gave me a body. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 and 1, John 1 and 14, and the Word became flesh. He gave him a body. Uh, he gave him a body to be offered. Verse 6, in burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast no, had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written to me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hath pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Now, just put a pen right there in verse 8, because we've heard this before. We heard this from the prophet David, not just a psalmist, but a prophet. Amen. David was a prophet. If you don't believe that, go read Acts chapter 2, where Peter said he was not just your king, he was a prophet. And, and David would say um, that, that the, the blood of, of goats and bulls, you don't want, you don't want the sacrifices. That, he said, but you would rather have a broken and a contrite heart. You don't want those sacrifices that we're making. But, but you, uh, you, you would like the, the sacrifice of praise. You would like the sacrifice of life. Yeah. Watch verse 9. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will 
we are, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily ministering and oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. There we see it again, Hebrews 10. Mm, it's a good word. And every priest standing daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. Verse 12 again. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 13. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. His flesh. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holy by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, which is to say, his flesh. How, how do I get in? Through him. For I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me, anybody else coming any other kind of way, the, the same as a thief, a liar, and a robber. But the only way to get to God is Jesus. Now, that, that messes some people up. You're like, wait a minute, time out. Hey, listen, the only way to get to God is through Jesus. You need to pray in his name. You need to be baptized in his name. Yeah, and listen, he said when you, when you repent, and when you're baptized in his name, he'll give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, this signifying. It, it's signifying that you've gone through the veil. What is to say? His flesh. The Holy Ghost signifies you crawling under the veil. But listen, we don't have to crawl under the veil. The high priest would crawl under the veil and be terrified. Crawl under, humble, just, just, oh God, don't kill me. He would crawl under the veil. But when the flesh died and that now there's power in the testament from the death of the testator, what happened in the tabernacle? The veil was rent from top to bottom. It didn't disappear. It just, there was a door made. There's still a veil, but God made us a door so we don't have to crawl under anymore. He said we can go into the throne room boldly. Why? Why? Because you know how I'm coming in? I'm coming in through his flesh, through the veil. His flesh that was wounded for me. His flesh that was broken for me. His flesh that, that, that heals my body from my sin. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. When I come in, it's not that I'm arrogant. It's not that I'm boastful. I just know where my hope is. And I don't crawl under. I walk through because I'm coming through the flesh of Jesus. That's why when I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my family in the name of Jesus. 
I pray over my future in the name of Jesus. I pray over my children in the name of Jesus. I'm entering to the throne room boldly. Ah, there's a new and living way. There's a new and living way. Listen, there's a new way and the new way is living. It's alive. There is a new and living way which he consecrated for us. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Got to get baptized in that name. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. Let's consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I want to show you right here how Hebrews takes a dip from preaching about the high priest and, and preaching about us entering into that tabernacle not made with hands, walking into the throne room boldly. The Holy Ghost allows us to walk into the throne room. The Holy Ghost is signifying. We walk into the throne room boldly under the name of Jesus Christ through the, his, through the, the veil that was torn for us. We walk in with our heads held high and our hearts open. Then he flips it in verse 24, and he brings it to me and you. And he says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. How, how did this go from me and God to me and you? Because these are the two commandments. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Oh, that you would love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. And the second is like unto it. I can't tell you one without telling you the other. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Well, no, 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 no. Jesus, you're wrong because those two things are not on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments do not say, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And the Ten Commandments do not say, love the neighbor like you love yourself. So we, out of the ten, give us the one that's, that's, that's most powerful. Jesus says, see, you don't understand. I didn't come to break down the 10. I came to put the 10 in your heart. And here, here's how I put the 10 in your heart and I put it in your mind. Here's how I break it down for you. I show you that those 10 commandments are really just two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Because if you love God, you will have no other God before thee. And if you love your neighbor, you won't commit adultery. You won't kill. You won't steal, and you won't covet, right? And you'll treat your parents right. Uh, uh, come on, talk to me now. It's the only commandment that has a promise connected to it, okay? That's, that's us, me and you. But those other, that's, that's you, you and God. He said those ten commandments are two tablets. One tablet is about me, and one tablet is about y'all. So now, right here in the middle of Hebrews, he's been talking about this one side of the tablet, and he jumps over to the other side of the tablet, and he says, so... Consider one another to provoke unto one another unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation 
which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore the punishment, suppose ye, shall be though thought worthy, who had trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath vengeance belongeth unto he, we know him that said, Vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction, partly while whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while she became cup companion of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of our goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. He said, I want you to exhort one another. And I want you to get together. I want you to be together because you need to, you need to form a good group of people because when you come together, it gives you strength. And you need strength because you don't want sin to creep back into the camp. Because you can't know what you know now and just willfully sin. Because if you know what you know now and you willfully sin, you know you're doing it. He said, he said now there's no more sacrifice for sin. You got you to come again. And he said, listen, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing. He said, you know what you have need of? You have need of patience. And in, in chapter 11, and I'm, I'm just a few minutes from being done today. In chapter 11, he begins to talk about faith. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He switches from talking about the high priest to talking about us, to talking about check yourself, don't go back to sin. And now he's going to talk about faith because there is no way to stay away from sin if you don't have faith. Now faith is the substance of the thing holds for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I like this part. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's so good. Because if you, know, if you know anything about science and molecules, you'll know that we're made up of, of, of atoms and molecules that cannot be seen. But when they are all together, you can see them. Yeah. The writer of Hebrews knew his science. Watch what he says. He said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Mm. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. 
prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, should have to receive an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city whose builder, who hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself conceived strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised it. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They all died not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded. Oh, that's a good word. I wish I could preach a little bit about being persuaded of what God told you. They had faith, and because they could see them afar off, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they may have had opportunity to return, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly before, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared them a city by faith. Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and, and he that hath received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bone. By faith, Joseph, Joseph knew we're leaving. Joseph had faith that we will not always be here. When he died, he made a prophecy that when we leave, we will leave Egypt. I don't know when, I don't know how, but they'll rise a king who don't know me, put you in slavery for over 450 years, and when you leave, take my bones with you. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had a respect unto the recompense of the reward. I want you to look at verse 26 one more time. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that every one of these people of faith could see something coming in the future. A better covenant. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they... They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Why is he saying all this? He's letting us know all these people did all these things and they didn't even have what we have. They obtained a good report through faith, receiving not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Woo, hallelujah. They need me. They without us could not be made perfect. Wherefore seeing, chapter 12, and I'm closing with this. Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Do you know why we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses? Because without us, they are not made per perfect. <coughs> They are pulling for us. For without us, they are not made perfect. So we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. And they're praying that we would run the race. Because if we don't make it, they don't make it. You hear me? They'll be made perfect through us. And so just believe this today, that Abraham's pulling for you. And Isaac is pulling for you and Jacob is pulling for you and David and Gideon are pulling for you because without us, they're not made perfect. But we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses and because we are, let us lay aside the weight. Let us lay aside the sin that slows us down and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Looking. Where are we looking? We're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's right. You know who authored our faith? It was Jesus, the high priest. You know who finishes our faith? It's Jesus, the high priest, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Jesus, our high priest. You ought to run with patience looking unto him. He is the prize. He is the prize. He is the prize. The finish line is Jesus. 
because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. For I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Somebody just shout Jesus. Jesus. Come on, shout it again, Jesus. Jesus. I done broke a sweated Bible study. Oh yeah, we gotta run it with faith. They've surrounded us. The, the, the heroes of the faith surround us and they're cheering, go, 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 go. Go pick yourself back up. Well, I failed. David said, so did I. I messed up. Abraham said, so did I. I made, I made, I tripped. I tripped and fell. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't make it. And Jacob said, hey, I failed too. Get back up. Do what I did. Keep running, keep running, keep moving, keep moving. You say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary and I can't make it no more. Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. He's my high priest. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Faith, faith, faith. Faith. You know why he told us to have faith? You know why he told us all those stories? Because he said they didn't even have the promise. They didn't even have the promise. They couldn't see Jesus. We can see Jesus. Stand with me all across the room. He's the author and the finisher. Oh, they're, 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 we're compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. They're witnesses. They're witnesses. They're witnesses. He said, I did it too. You can make, if I made it, you can make it. If I made it, you can make it. Go, 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 go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next time you feel like you can't, the next time you feel like you're not worthy, just look up in the stands. Look up in the stands and see Gideon who will say, you know what, I was a nothing and a nobody. I was hiding in the wine press, afraid of my own shadow when God called me a mighty man of valor. And if God could use me, he can use you. Keep, keep, keep going, keep going. Keep running, keep, keep moving, keep moving. I didn't even have the promise. I didn't even have the Holy Ghost. I didn't even have the promise. You got it, you ought to go, you ought to go. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Oh, I wish I had about 20 more minutes now. I wish I had about 20 more minutes in the house. We are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. And because we are, let us lay aside the weight and the sin. I like this because the Bible's letting us know that everything is not a sin. There's a lot of us in this room today, we've been slowed down. Our race that we've been running, we've been slowed down. And it's not because sin, not because we're awful people out here just sinning. It's just because we're busy. And we've made other things more important. And, and, and we got a lot of baggage and we just, it just made us slow. And so the Lord said, set it aside. Just set aside the weight and the sin. We got sin too, but everything not a sin. Something just wait, just set it aside and let us run with patience. Didn't say run fast. Said let us run with patience. Didn't, didn't say sprint. Said let us run with patience. Just one foot in front of the other. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And if you need any kind of convincing, just look to the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus, my high priest of Hebrews. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.